0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Technical difficulties to start off the show. My name is Rick Riggins, this is Breaking Rank, <laughs> live from the Balance Sports Talk Radio Network Studios.
0: <laughs> I, told, I told you not to jinx this. I have no idea what happened, so we're just going to have
1: to. <laughs> you okay there? my uh, producer of the, this show, which I'm the producer of his, Balance. And, you know, that's Tom Marquez from the Balance you hear every Saturday. and uh, I know what it's like sometimes, man. It just does not want to cooperate.
0: Well, that's right. Good to be here. End of week one. Breaking wank, rank. Breaking wank. Breaking rank. Yeah. See, Rick, <laughs> you, jinxed you jinxed it. You jinxed it. Yeah. You jinxed it before the show, my friend. <laughs> Either which way. Good to be here. Uh, go right ahead, sir. We'll we'll, we'll recover. We will rebound. It's it's good to go. Go. <laughs>
1: Also joining us uh, from 96.1 WSBT in Mishawaka, that is Notre Dame Properties, Matthew Embry. Matt, are you with us? Uh, no te- technical difficulties on, on your end, right? No <laughs> on <my> intro, uh... <laughs> I blame Andy. All right.
0: I think we got it, I think everything's fixed. It took a mind Blame, of its man. own. It took a mind of its own. I had everything on auto set, and then it, it, there was a delay, and then it just started firing. So we're good to go. Uh, go ahead, Matt. You're, you're, you're on. You're live. Your mic is hot, sir.
2: Well, it's interesting to note a few things in there. I say biggest good performance would have to be Alabama beating uh, a Louisville team. I think that did not show their best stuff by putting 50 points on them. I'd say the big loser of the week, though, Rick, it's got to be Penn State. And I don't care that Appalachian State beat Michigan 10 years ago. I don't care that Penn State had flat. It doesn't matter. The fact that they had their problems against Appalachian State, who, by the way, is not the same Appalachian State strong team that beat Michigan 10 years ago, uh, I got to say, if you're a Penn State fan, you have to be more than just a little bit worried right now.
1: I would be worried about that. I'd be worried about uh, the state of the program after uh, Saquon Barkley, really, at Penn State. I'd be worried about Michigan State and that game against Utah State. Uh, but I think Miami might challenge that biggest losers, losers of the week uh, with their performance against LSU.
2: And another one, uh, thank you very much, Florida Atlantic, for making me look like a total fool. 63-14 <laughs> against Oklahoma. Seriously?
1: <laughs> I was Lane, what was that? <laughs> Uh, Tom, who do you got for Biggest Loser?
0: Oh, Biggest Loser by far is uh, Florida State Seminoles without Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Virginia Tech Hokies uh, did some schooling. So, yeah, they're the Biggest Loser, in my vote. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> so, you know, Matt started off talking about, or you did actually, I don't remember which one of you two did. I still got the uh, technical difficulty music uh, stuck in my head. But anyway, to a by how they went against well, I believe Matt it was Matt that brought that up. Uh, you guys had Nintendo back in the day, right? You remember Contra? Is to a toggle by like having the Contra cold, Matt, for Alabama?
0: <laughs>
1: I can't
2: necessarily say that because in my younger years, I could barely get past the first level. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, the Contra cold. Those of you listening and you want some nostalgia, it's up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. Yeah, then it was infinite Yeah, even lives. with
2: that, I could barely get past the first level. So don't <laughs> make them embarrass me here, Rick. That's not funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what Alabama has struggled with over the years is it's just having like average quarterback play. still being really dominant, you know, because the rest of the team is just so talented and so deep. But just having the average quarterback play, now they have a Heisman probably even. Heisman front-runner for, I think, for the first time that Nick Saban's been at Alabama anyway, and, and I just think that it's just totally unfair to the rest of the country. I don't know if we need to play the rest of the season, but I just feel like, Tom, that the uh, – that uh, Tua Tongo Valo is the contra code for Alabama.
0: I totally agree, Rick. I do not know where the quarterback controversy came from. Was it, let's just keep talking about Alabama, let's just keep talking about Alabama, because I don't think it was any big shocker that he was to end up being the starting quarterback. They no longer have a quarterback controversy, and I think the only quarterback controversy all along uh, was Nick Saban's uh, stubbornness and refusal to uh, officially name him as, as the quarterback. But I don't think there were any earth-shattering news when, when that was realized this past week.
1: No, and uh, I think the whole country pretty much knew who the quarterback was going to be after the national championship game, even the three of us uh, on on the balance in your show, Tom, that uh, back to like a month ago, we started to talk about college football. We were all saying it's going to be Tua. Everybody knows it's going to be Tua. And and Matt, what do you think of uh, Nick Saban's comments to Maria Taylor after the game?
2: not impressed but again you have some coaches that uh, really don't think much of the media nick saban's one of them bill belichick's one of them so while it was out of character i can't say i'm surprised by that comment either
1: i actually i think it's a really fair question i mean i understand being asked about the quarterback controversy uh you know for the past month or so leading all of it
2: was very bad
1: though right it was and then uh And then Tom, uh, she asked a pretty fair question: Is what did you think about both quarterbacks' performances? Really, instead of trying to make him decide on one or the other, Uh, did you hear his comment, Tom? Did you see uh, any of that?
0: Well, I I did not see it. I I saw the tweets in the social media uproar, and I know that Nick Saban did apologize. after his combative answer, I do know that that was appropriate, but I did not hear the actual presser other than just highlights. So it it seemed like a very legit question, but there again, uh, I think Nick Saban is, is, uh, is just one of those old school hard knock kind of guys that you just got to go in and and, and be prepared for what you get. Kind of like a bill Belichick. Uh, You just got to be prepared for what you're going to get. Uh, whether or not there's a win or loss, they're always going to be kind of the uh, the hard knock type of people uh, to have a presser with,
1: right? And and also it. We'll move on to the top ten rankings here. I know there's a big shakeup in the whole top 25, but we'll uh, really highlight the top ten here. And no surprise, Alabama stays number one with the contra at quarterback. Uh, Clemson, two. Georgia, three. Ohio State, four. Wisconsin, five. Oklahoma, six. Auburn, seven. Notre Dame jumps into the top ten at eight. Washington falls down a couple spots tonight, and Stanford makes their first appearance of the year in the top ten. So, Matt, is there any surprises uh, within that top ten?
2: I think Notre Dame is a little bit high because I'm not sure. I mean, it wasn't a convincing win against Michigan. I mean, Michigan committed four turnovers in this ball game, and they still came within a stone's throw of winning it. So I don't think that merits necessarily a jump from 12 to 8, but that's just my opinion.
1: And Matt, I will ask you about that close win uh, because when I was watching it, it just seems like Brian Kelly might have just laid on the ball a little bit, and they played a little more bend-but-don't-break-style defense. Basically, don't make any mistakes, and we'll come out of here with the win. Is that what you got out of that, or just Michigan really step up their game and uh, it threw Notre Dame off guard in the second half?
2: Notre Dame's offensive line just fat fell on their face, uh, you know, the second half of that ball game. I mean, Chase Winovich just kept getting to the quarterback, and that just pretty much ruined everything. So, line play – I think right now is the chief concern in my book looking ahead to, you know, the games ahead right now and solidifying their offensive line play, because Eichenberg had some problems there late stopping Winovich. I mean, they were so focused on stopping Gary on the other side that Winovich just kept getting the quarterback and uh, really forced a couple early throws and probably led to that one interception that Brandon did throw. So... If there's one area where Notre Dame needs to work, I'd say offensive line play and getting more protection for Brandon Wimbush so he's got more time to throw because, I mean, it was ridiculous how many times Winovich uh, got there unabated to the quarterback. I mean, there was at least four or five plays I can remember, Rick, where he wasn't even touched and he got right to Brandon.
1: And, Tom, uh of course, Michigan comes away with the loss. You know, I think a lot of people in the country had them to win that game, especially if you watch any college game day or listen to the experts leading up to that. And it, they just look really flat with Shay Patterson. He actually looked a little bit scared at times during the games. He, he, he does have a nice arm. He makes some really nice throws. But is the quarterback position still a problem uh, for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan?
0: I think there's a lot of problems with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, and, I, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later. But I certainly touched on it last week and touched on the balance. It's time to put him on the hot seat. I, I understand that he's still kind of got some young players by definition, if you will. There, there's still a lot of players being acclimated. His, his quarterback is, is certainly not up to par. I, I wouldn't have confidence in him even being the starter. But there again, you've got to go with what you got to go with. So Jim Harbaugh has got to turn this program around. You would think logically in your brain uh, that they could beat Western Michigan uh, next week. But certainly I think there's that line of thinking that I talked about last week, that he could definitely, uh, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan uh, Wolverines could go 0-2. There's a very good possibility that Western Michigan could beat Michigan, and that's not going to be good for Jim Harbaugh. The uh, thing is,
2: though, Western Michigan right, ahead, is at Matt. the same level of Ball State is. So if you say that Michigan's in danger, I'd say Notre Dame's in danger. If you're comparing opponents right there, because, I mean, you're looking at the same level opponent right there. Michigan will have no problems getting by the Bronx. Uh, looking down the schedule, I think they still have a few uh, red flags sitting out there. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, Western Michigan could be a problem. SMU could be a problem. The Nebraska game will be interesting, and then obviously Northwestern, but I don't think Western Michigan is going to be where the blow-up happens. But uh, I think right now you look at the situation uh, with Michigan right now, uh, they have the pieces together. It's just, unfortunately, it's just a couple key things that are standing out and doing the business while there are a lot of uh, big holes elsewhere. I mean, how do you give up first-down conversions – to Brandon Wimbush on third and ten, three times, two of which came in the second half, where Michigan stops them three and out. It could have been a whole different
1: ballgame. Go
0: ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to to add to what Matt said about, uh, you know, comparing uh, Western Michigan and and, uh, uh, Ball State. I mean, Ball State is no chump of a football team, and – Let's face it, they've grown a lot over the last few years, but really what, I, when I'm, what I'm looking at, uh, if you're looking at school size, or if you're looking at history of wins, or if you're looking at uh, the caliber of teams of, of Notre Dame and Michigan, uh, Notre Dame is by far a much higher caliber team this year, a much stronger team than Michigan is. And I think Ball State's a much better team than Western Michigan. So I, I And I think that Ball State absolutely can give uh, – Notre Dame a game. Now, That don't misconstrue that with me saying that they'll win, but I think absolutely Ball State can hang with Notre Dame.
1: And Matt, I was, uh, well, just to add what you used to talk about, Tom, and really Ball State's problems with all the in- injuries they had last year. Uh, they only won two games. They were just destroyed by injuries and now they got like, all those guys back and I, I think they can score a lot of points but at the same time they're I guess they're going to, to. They've probably worked the entire summer for this game because this is the only time they'll be in this kind of an environment against a team like this. So they're going to bring their A game. It's their Super Bowl for the year, really. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if they, Ball State, was to give Notre Dame a game. But I think as this, the, the game goes, Notre Dame's just going to take over in that. You know, it's the more experienced players. The talent is what's going to win. Notre Dame, this game. I mean, at 33.5 is what the spread is right now. I'm going to say that's going to be a little under. I don't think Notre Dame is going to win by that much. I mean, they might win by three, four touchdowns.
0: <laughs> I had to use the button, Rick, because I just saw this great tweet from Clemson. Texas A&M beat writer on 1055 The Roar just said the A&M fan base wants to see a great defense performance. Well, they about to get to that. So go right ahead. I, that happened right. to be my breaking news thing. So we, we don't really have anything. So I thought that was a great hot take. So go right ahead, sir. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs>
1: Just jump back on point here, uh, Matt, I might be reading a little bit too much into this, but in the two or three minutes we saw Dylan McCaffrey, it looked like Michigan had like a really good rhythm to it. I mean, did did you have that same thought or not?
2: Dylan McCaffrey's still raw to the point where he's not going to be your full-time starter right now. The question is, though, is how bad did Shea Patterson hurt himself with those couple little collapses he had late in the game, especially on the last play where he fumbled it in Notre Dame Coney recovered, and that pretty much uh, sealed the deal. Uh, The thing, though, right now you look at for Notre Dame-Ball State, and I think where Ball State's going to get hurt, is their secondary. They're undersized, lack athleticism, and I think because you've got those tall receivers and Boykin and Claypool watch for something you did not see much in the Notre Dame-Michigan game, and that is for Wimbush to put up the long ball and see if he can take advantage of that size and athleticism that Claypool and Boykins have, and possibly even Chris Fink uh, against this uh, Ball State secondary that was one of the worst in the MAC last year.
1: What happened to Alizé Mac? To me, he disappeared. I-, I don't remember seeing him much in that game at all. I- that's another 6-4, uh, uh, it's tied in, but basically another 6-4 receiver. So, is there any word on him? It was just game plan? Uh, From what I saw with
2: him and- is he's still having a problem with drops. Uh, he had a couple plays where he had could have made a big catch and he just flat out dropped the ball. Uh, that's where I think he is losing playing time right now, is if he had a better set of hands, I think he would be another one of these tight end U-stars that Notre Dame keeps producing at that tight end spot. The problem is uh, too many drops, and uh, it caught him uh, in trouble again uh, this past weekend against Michigan.
1: All right, Matt, and uh, just we'll wrap up Notre Dame-Michigan here, but I just wanted your thoughts on, on Jim Harbaugh and like the state of the program, I guess, for Michigan.
2: I don't think he's on the hot seat. Uh, The problem is, if you are thinking about making change, remember, it's still early in the run. He still has a ton of money on that contract, so do you really want to buy out that kind of money at this point? So I know things are getting restless there, but I think there is more negative to trying to buy him out than sticking with what you've got and waiting down the road maybe another year or two, because if you try to get rid of him now, Uh, you're going to be coughing up a ton of money not just to get rid of him but also to find a successor. So the question is, do you really want to do that at this point? And I think that's the uh, group think that Michigan's going to have to have right now, especially if things uh, continue to flatline a little bit uh, as this season wears on. Yeah, I actually agree
1: with you there.
0: Uh, No, I'm just going to say I agree with that, uh, Rick, as well. Uh, The the thing about it is sometimes you look at it, is is it – Who are you going to get that's any better? Are you going to be able to get a coach that's any better? Are you just going to stay at status quo? So that's a valid point that Matt makes. And the president went on Twitter this uh, week and said that Jim Harbaugh is not on the hot seat. But we also know how quick that can change in college football.
1: (laughs) Well, You know, you look at the last – the the forty game comparison with him and Brady Hoke uh, Harbaugh has one more win than Brady di- Brady did uh, Brady Hoke did in his first forty games, but uh, that was probably the most intriguing game of the week. Uh, the biggest game of the week actually is Auburn Washington. I know all the talk has been Notre Dame Michigan, uh, you know, since that game Saturday, but Auburn Washington, Matt, uh, I thought that was a heck of a game, and I actually have Auburn Auburn in my top four at the end of the year, but. A win like that in Atlanta for Auburn, I don't think, and I'd like to get your opinion on it, I don't think that kills Washington's uh, chances at all to actually just win out and to probably still make the playoffs.
2: Washington, I think the question is now is can they seal the deal in enemy territory? Do they have to continue to rely on Husky Stadium to get the job done? Because they still have several key games away from Husky Stadium where they're going to have to show up and get the job done. So that creates a little bit of indecision as far as uh, where they are going to be for the next uh, rest of the season any time a big game comes up, and it's not in Seattle.
1: And, Tom, what are your thoughts on that Auburn-Washington game? Because I, I, I think Washington, to me, showed enough that they can still probably win out. Uh, it just depends how everything, all the teams above them, now that they had that one loss, they drop down to ninth, how the rest of the other teams play out. But I still think Washington has a pretty solid chance of getting in the top four.
0: Well, here's the thing, and I, I, I'm kind of inclined to think when you when you rank a team, uh, and you're the only 0-1 team in the top 10 uh, by by rights, if you just look at wins and losses, Washington should be ranked number 18. So Washington's a very good team. Auburn's. A a few spots ahead of them I do not agree with the fact though If you're going to put them in the top 10 Make them number 10 They are the only team in the top 10 That's 0 and 1 and I know we talked a little bit about Penn State in that Appalachian uh, game. I, I, I get that, and I understand that, that the differences in the strength of schedules between those two may have something to do with it. Uh, but I do not agree with uh, Washington being 0-1 and, and ranked number nine. But I do agree that, they, that they'll find a spot in the top four. I, I think there is that opportunity. But there again, as we said many times, uh, the college football Final Four and championship is designed for the SEC and teams in the South.
2: The Silver Bowl, I think that's going to be the one that wipes out Washington is that Apple Cup game against Mike Leach at Washington State. I just have a feeling that that game is not going to go the Huskies way if it comes down to that Apple Cup game as to whether or not they are not only in the Pac-12 well, championship game, but also a chance to make the playoff. I just don't see them getting past uh, Mike Leach and the Cougars.
1: I worry about them against Stanford because uh, they can't get past Stanford the past couple of years. So uh, that's always been the game uh, that I see. They have struggled with it every year. Stanford likes to beat them up and slow them down a little bit. And it takes Washington out of their rhythm, kind of like a, yeah. You, it's hard to gauge really good teams the first week. Uh, but it's kind of what the Auburn's play style is. It's just to uh, bruise them and run, run the ball to the middle on them. And that slowed Washington down too, even though it was a really close game. But I, I think Matt that that Stanford game is one that they're, they. I'm leaning towards Stanford's probably going to win that game too.
2: I think the fact that that game though is in Seattle that may save Washington, but I think it's the road games Oregon potentially and Washington State where are the potential danger spots uh, for, Washington, or for Washington as far as having their chances wiped out as far as making the playoff.
1: And Tom, for me, the uh, the big surprise game of the weekend was LSU Miami. I mean. The shrimp bowl captain, the the Cajun cookie monster, uh, got it done in a big way uh, uh, against Miami. uh, What's was train thought, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Uh, What are your thoughts on
1: that uh, LSU-Miami game?
0: Well, the the thing about it is it was certainly not the game that I expected. I thought that that, uh, LSU would fall to Miami. Uh, It was at Miami, so maybe we could blame it on a real hurricane that was nowhere near them. But, hey, you never know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, I, I really, I, I watched that game briefly. I was uh, shifting around between other games. Um, but I, um, I have a real problem with what I saw from Miami. So if what we saw from Miami is a, is a reading of the tea leaves, if you will, of the 2018 season, We totally underestimated them and and bought into the media hype of the kind of team that they are. So let's hope they turn it around. Uh, But uh, I was less than impressed with them this weekend.
1: And Matt, I I think this this game right here is exactly why Mark Rick lost his job at Georgia because he has a game or two every single year where he doesn't have uh, his team prepared. It seems like they just don't show up for a game and, maybe this is that one game coming right out of the gate week one, and maybe that's a good thing for Miami. But uh, I I just think that this is just one of those games the the reason why Mark Rick was fired at Georgia.
2: Well, again, consider Miami had the element of surprise in their favor last year. That's part of the reason they crept up on people and caught them by surprise. Hence, Notre Dame, 41-8 and all that stuff. Now that they are among one of the focuses, that element of surprise is gone. And sometimes – that can be an Achilles heel and I think it showed up. But I gotta say for LSU, you talk about a guy that's on the hot seat, Ed Orgeron. He really needed a game like this because I think oh, yeah, if you mentioned count. the name that is on the that is on the biggest hook to possibly be out the chopping block at this point. I think it wasn't Jim Harbaugh's name that was on that list, it was definitely Ed Orgeron's. And for now, he's got a reprieve, but he's still got to keep it up. There's still some big games left on the schedule. But uh, for now, Ed Orgeron has uh, given himself a little bit of a greener pasture uh, in terms of keeping his job for at least one more year.
1: And, Tom, what does this win do for LSU as far as the SEC is is concerned? Do you think they are a competitive team this year in the SEC?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I hope not because I want to continue my conversation about uh, Lane Kiffin, but I saw two uh, different things that might, uh, might quite uh, might make the fans of Lane Kiffin be quiet. Uh, we saw LSU uh, have a great win against Miami. We saw Lane Kiffin's team just totally get buried and uh, play like uh, nobody's business. So at this moment, I'm going to, I'm just going to pause the, the Lane Kiffin train. Again, going back to what I saw, LSU was either that good or Miami was that bad, and I, I still want to believe that Miami was that bad and LSU was LSU.
1: You know, Tom, me and you had this conversation a, a few days ago about Lane Kiffin and how you think he deserves a, another chance at a big-time big, big time program, big job, and I don't, I don't really think so because he's had his chance with the Raiders. Uh, at Tennessee, you know, uh, USC, all, all of those failed. So even if he does great at FAU, and, and he will, because it, I know they play one or two games against teams like Oklahoma, but he'll dominate uh, the rest of his games probably. He'll, he'll be a 10-win uh, coach again this year. Uh, but I'm just not on board with that. He deserves another shot, even though he does great at FAU. I mean uh, – Tom, let's get your thoughts on that first.
0: Well, let, let me let me ask you this off question. It has nothing to do with the with the top ten that's that, that we ranked. But Lovie Smith turned out to get a win with uh, Illinois, the uh, the Illinois Fighting alumni, a Big T school. They get a win, barely, barely noticeable. Lovie Smith falls from being a Super Bowl coach to being a coach of big ten college program that nobody seems to matter. He gets a win. Lane Kiffin gets a loss and now the conversations just after one win, people are talking about Lovey Smith again like they did in, in, in years past. So maybe the, <laughs> the question is more about what have you done for me lately because I guarantee you if if Lane and Lovey both had gotten a win, we'd be talking more about Lane Kiffin than we are about Lovey Smith.
2: And I'm Matt, not talking you,
0: about Lovey Smith. I'm talking about on the national scale. Right. Hold that question, on,
2: Lovey Smith, till Illinois rips the Purdue can away from Purdue. Until that happens, I'm not buying it just yet.
1: I'm not buying Herm Edwards either after one rent win at Arizona State. I mean, <laughs> uh, but uh, Matt Lane Kiffin, do you think he deserves another shot at a uh, big program?
2: I don't know if you guys listened to, I think it was last Thursday when he was on the Dan Patrick show and saying he really didn't have a chance against Oklahoma. That bothered me a bit. I think right now you got, when you're coming in and admitting that on a national television or radio show, whatever you want to call it, that doesn't look good. And I got to say, yeah, the chances were against them, but... If you're coming in with that kind of attitude as far as that and you're making it public like he did, that's not a good thing. And I have to say, uh, that's the one thing there about Lane that's got me a little bit irked, just a little bit. I mean, yes, you don't have much of a chance to win that game, but the fact that you say it on national radio, maybe that's what uh, led to the 63-14 loss. Who knows?
0: Hey, Rick, real quickly, you know, when we're talking about coaches, remember what I told you all along. There's only one school in Southern California, and that's just C. I Look at what UCLA did. Look at what Chip Kelly did. Absolutely nothing, and he faces Oklahoma this coming up week. If Oklahoma manages to beat UCLA, we're going to be talking about Oklahoma on Wednesday night
1: Oh uh, well, what it's worth. Oklahoma is going to destroy UCLA. And here's the thing that I'll give Chip Kelly a pass on this year is – UCLA is really young and he's trying to have Wilton Spate run his offense, which is, that is not going to work. I'm sorry. I mean, Wilton Spate couldn't even cut it at Michigan, you know, in a pro style offense and he's definitely not a scrambling type quarterback, you know, like Chip Kelly likes to run that offense. So it's probably gonna be another 63, 14 win again, uh, for, for Oklahoma. And I just, Oklahoma looks great with, with, Ty, with Kyler Murray. I mean, they really do, but, uh, it, to think that this is going to be somewhat of a game against UCLA is going to be way wrong because uh, Chip Kelly's team is really young. He does not have uh, anything for a quarterback, and he can't even put, run his offense that he wants to run until he gets uh, his style of play- players, Matt.
2: And like we said in the preview show, Oklahoma really does not have a test until maybe we get to talking TCU on uh, oh, October 20th, because I think the Red River shootout, Texas with Tom Herman has shown no signs of life. Baylor, post-art Briles, has shown no signs of life. Uh, ISU, Iowa State, Army should be easy wins, even though Army has improved greatly. I don't think they're going to be at Oklahoma's level. So you look at the schedule for them, and I don't think until you get to the TCU game there really is a challenge uh, facing Oklahoma. Now, whether or not that helps them or hurts them as far as if it's close or they have one loss against them as far as making the college football playoff, who's to say? But uh, you look at strength of schedule, that's not going to help their cause if it's close uh, for one of those last four spots and they come in with a loss.
1: And Matt, I'm glad you brought Texas up, because I was just going to ask you, uh, what in the world is going on down at Texas? So, uh, shouldn't the, does Maryland just have their number, I'm guessing? Shouldn't they just be a little farther along since Tom Herman's supposed to be uh, you know, their guy? I mean, he, is that Ellington that he started at, at quarterback? Well, little... considering
2: Oak Maryland's an even bigger mess than Texas is, this should have yeah. been a slam dunk for Texas.
1: Yeah, the, uh, with, with what they've dealt with, you the look past at couple
2: this. There's no reason why Texas should have lost that game on Saturday. No reason.
1: So, Tom, what do you think about Texas so far?
0: <laughs> I am curious. I am a suspect at least. I, I would, I would think, okay, if it was a like a big, another strong Big Twelve team or something that that beat them, but it's Maryland. I mean, that's like Rutgers. I say rucker because they haven't earned it yet. It's like
1: yeah. it, well, it's crazy with things that don't belong in the Big 10 in my opinion, but they can they can beat Texas, so maybe I'm wrong.
0: Well, like you said, maybe it's Tom Herman. It's uh, I I don't know. But I don't, I don't, I think <laughs> I think if we if we look back and we're going to – if we're asking who's going to have the better season, and uh, Texas is clearly going to have the better season, if we're looking back and we're asking who's going to be in a bowl game, Texas has a better shot of being in a bowl game. But, yeah, I, you summed it up. They've got their number. Uh, who knows why? Maybe it's a mental thing. Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, Tom Herman can't be happy about getting beat by a bunch of turtles. Turtle, turtle, Matt, turtle, maybe, turtle. Yeah. Turtle. <laughs>
2: I don't know if it's as much that as the fact, like we said, Maryland is an absolute mess. There's still questions of what D.J. Durkin's going to be the coach. I mean, you talk about disoriented clubs right now, that's Maryland all over the place right now. It's not Texas, it's Maryland. So how Maryland ended up winning that game, uh, that's a huge red flag if you're a fan of Texas and uh, you're looking for something from Tom Herman. uh, You are really... uh, questioning uh, the hire of bringing him in from Houston at this point uh, based on that loss.
1: Matt, with this stuff with Urban Meyer the past few weeks, do you think some of that leaked into, uh, obviously, Tom Hermers brought up and all this, do you think some of that leaked in and was a, a distraction these past couple weeks?
2: It shouldn't have been considering who they played. I mean, if Ohio State blows away Oregon State with a little difficulty, Texas should have done the same thing to Maryland. Uh, I don't understand the situation here, but to me, uh, this should have been an easy win for the Horns, and they end up with another embarrassing loss. So uh, I don't think it's anything as far as a bleed-in or a bleed-out or whatever the case is. The fact of the matter is, Texas is losing to teams they should not be losing to, and Again, if this was even a Maryland that didn't have the issues with DJ Durkin, this is a game they should have won.
1: Right, and uh, you bring up Ohio State and their blowout win against uh, Oregon State, which I don't think they of Urban Meyer for that anyway. Obviously, obviously they didn't. They had Ryan Day, and we just talked about the Lane Kiffin talk, uh, getting another job at a bigger program. Do you think this these three games for Ryan Day? And Ohio State looks great the way they did in week one. Do you think Ryan Day's name is going to come up for CF, come up in the coaching carousel, Tom, for next year? Well, if they Are give
2: uh, Urban Meyer the boot, the thing is, though, that league gives them one option uh, to replace uh, Urban Meyer. I think Ryan Day, now granted, it's just one game, but uh, you look at the scenarios right there, I think you have to say – he is warranted for a look just in case they do part ways with Urban Meyer down the road. And who knows? Maybe he stays at Ohio State to guarantee that he will be the next coach if and when they part ways with Urban Meyer, if they do that.
0: Tom? Well, we'll say this so Urban Meyer story just is is like a, a, uh, a an Indian nickel that never goes away, that just keeps popping up. I mean – certainly yeah. the they got a comfort- plate Yeah. Certainly they they got a, a win against Oregon State. I don't think that's a big surprise. I uh, I I think they I think there's going to be the talk. It's maybe going to be more so that Urban Meyer parts company with Ohio State than Ohio State parts company with Urban Meyer. Um but I, I, at best, I think we're a 60-40 shot that he'll be there next year and 40% being that he won't be there. So, I mean, that he will be there. So, I think there's a 60% shot that he won't be there next year.
1: He's going to the Browns, right? 60% chance you're giving him to be the coach of Cleveland Browns.
0: Or the Bengals.
1: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right, so – we saw Clemson, you know, at the scoreboard, you thought that you knew Clemson was going to do that. There was a little bit of a co- quarterback controversy there with uh, Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence does come in. Uh, he looks real good, but uh, this is Kelly Bryant's team, and uh, I don't think we're going to see Trevor Lawrence much this weekend when the Clemson takes on Texas A&M. I, I think this is a good, strong test for Clemson early to see what, what they really have for defense. I think they might be – them in Alabama, obviously, are probably the best. Uh, defensive teams in the country but they take on texas a&m with jimbo fisher head coach and mike elko who's the uh, hottest d coordinator right now in the country so uh, my thoughts uh, really are i just think this is going to be a blowout win for clemson even though jimbo fisher is familiar with clemson obviously formerly being the head coach at florida state but uh, matt what are your thoughts on clemson and texas a&m
2: Texas a and a work in progress at this point. I don't think it's going to be Rome being built in one day for them right now, even though they did fork out a truckload of cash to bring in both Jimbo and Elko. I still think that you know the cover's a little bit bare, and I think it has been since, dare we say, when Johnny Manziel left, and uh, it's tough to make up for it. and am just coaching st- Savvy alone, and you look at the scenarios right there, uh, you've got to super coach and dabble Sweeney and that staff at Clemson and you look at the scenarios as far as involved and I just don't see where Texas A&M gives much of a game for Clemson, even though that game is in college station.
1: So Tom, the, uh, the hot topic in college football right now is obviously Jim Harbaugh being overrated. Do you think Jim Jimbo Fisher is a little, little overrated?
0: Well, <laughs> uh, Texas, uh, didn't seem to think so. Um, uh, so Texas and I mean didn't seem to think so. Uh yeah. I think he should have stayed with, with uh Florida State. I think that he disappointed his fans. I think that he him, him chasing the money uh was a big stab in the back and maybe what they say karma's a bitch. So, you know, yeah, I do I think he's very overrated.
2: Well, of course, though, you can also look at the scenario on that and say, well, it's justified that he left, considering how poorly they played against Vod Tech, that he saw you know, the writing on the wall that this was not a winning scenario, and maybe he's justified, but uh, like I said, uh, he's got to have to show something decent against Clemson here, and I just don't think they're going to be able to deliver it uh, against a team that I think in Texas A&M is still mid-pack in the SEC at best, and that's a big if considering they are in the same division as Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and all these other fireballs in that Western division.
1: And staying in the SEC, we'll talk about the uh, game between uh, Georgia and South Carolina. I think this has the makings of actually being a close game uh, considering it, it's weird to think about it because how great Georgia was last year, but South Carolina is not that bad either. And Will Muschamp got another chance after uh, it. The failed experiment, at the University of Florida. He actually looks pretty good at South Carolina, and I think this is going to be a Georgia win, but it's going to be closer. What the experts think? I don't even know what the experts think right now, but I think it's going to be about a touchdown game. So, Tom, what are your thoughts on Georgia and South Carolina?
0: I think uh, South Carolina is going to win. I really do. I, I am not a big uh, hit Bulldog that breaking, fan.
1: breaking news music.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I lost it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's it's a it's a it might end up being a hot take but we'll see
1: yeah definitely uh it, georgia's in a lot of people's top four they're not in mine uh they're going to lose later this year i don't think it's going to be their loss but matt what are your thoughts on georgia south carolina
2: this is not the game where georgia loses the load here uh you talk about Lane Kiffin being bad. I think Will Muschamp is heading down the same slippery slope here with some of the comments he's made on certain things and the way he's handled certain things, especially the way he handled things in Florida. Uh, I don't understand the hire that South Carolina was going for by bringing him in. I think there are some other better candidates that they could have stuck with, but ultimately they went with Muschamp. We'll see how it works out, but uh, I don't think he's the coach that's going to get them over the hump uh, Compared to, if you're going to compare them to the levels that they achieved uh, with Spurrier as the head coach,
1: yeah, I'm just with you. I just think it'll be Georgia's loss. I think Georgia's loss is actually going to come in the SEC championship game, and that's why they're not going to be in the top four. That's just too late of a loss. I I see championship games being pointless myself. Um, The
2: game at Auburn is going to be the undoing for Georgia. I just don't see them beating Auburn in Auburn, considering how good they looked against Washington.
1: And then another big game this weekend, one that hits closer to home for us because we're here in Indiana, is actually Team Notre Dame is going to play against both teams of Stanford USC, and I think it's pretty cool that they play this game early every year. Uh, I see USC being down this year. I uh, For some reason, there's a hump that Todd Helton at USC just can't quite get over, and I, I think Stanford is going to have their number this year. I think Stanford wins a close game. Uh, Tom, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I'm all about Stanford this year. I, I really think Stanford is going to be the team to watch in the West, and we want to see Washington do some good things. But I think the team that, that uh, when the dust clears, the team that's still standing is going to be the trees.
1: And Matt, do you think that uh, Bryce Love is still the Heisman like front runner because he had like a really slow start this week, this past week?
2: I don't think he's the front runner. Now, granted, I think it's premature to say who the front runner is after just one week. I think you're maybe talking five, six, seven down the road before we start talking about Heisman, but that's just me. But uh, you look at USC, this could get real ugly for them over the next three weeks because if Texas gets their act together, that game looks bad. And then, of course, you got to deal with uh, Mike Leach and Washington State. They could easily go one and three in this run, and then you got Arizona to worry about as well. I mean, there is a lot of potential – Uh, messy scenarios here for USC. I mean, granted they beat UNLB, but not convincingly uh, you look at the scenarios, the next four weeks for USC could get pretty ugly for them if they're not careful.
1: Right, and then they finish on Thanksgiving weekend at Notre Dame, so we're talking about five or six losses for USC this year, which is really unheard of because you think USC, you still think of the Pete Carroll years and how dominant they were. And a, a five to six loss USC team, it's just uh, unheard of, Tom.
0: Well, they're the only school in Southern California. How many times do I have to say that? Uh, right. <laughs> no, I absolutely well, they might agree be competing
1: with repeating the UCLA uh, with the uh, 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 terrible I loved season. how
0: you got that, uh, that hot take in there uh, that they're going to lose to Notre Dame. Just Drew that in there. Oh, that's just right. In the...
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one of the few shows of the. Well, if you listen to Clay Travis, he's biased with Tennessee, you know. So I'm that
0: way with the Irish, you know. Sure. Well, here's the thing. I don't know, I love Clay Travis. That's for sure. Uh, what I would say is though USC is not the USC of, of uh, Pete Carroll, and uh, maybe they're living in a a former life and a former shell, if you will. Uh, but yeah, they've got some work to do.
2: Well, this, what this shows, Rick and Tom, is just how tight the margin of error is because everything is so close in these Power 5 conferences that if even you slip even just a tiny little bit, whether it's a hundredth of a one-one-hundredth of an inch or a one-millionth of an inch, you can go from sitting pretty to sitting pretty bad real quick. And you got to be careful on these situations when you have a slip-up that it doesn't explode into, you know, from a little tiny... Great to a grapefruit in just a few seconds, because that's what can happen if you miss it by just a little bit. I mean, case in point, Notre Dame's 4-8 season,
1: for instance. So, Matt, what could it be at USC? Is it coaching? Because USC and just where they're located and the tradition, everything USC holds, the, the program, the football program kind of just sells itself to these top four and five-star athletes. So how come that just uh, over the past few years hasn't really translated to a lot of wins on the field? It could... Is Clay Helton just not uh, who we thought he would be at head coach?
2: Helton looked iffy. I think during the Sarkeesian era they looked iffy. Uh, Add to that, though, with the NCAA hot on their back after, you know, the violations that came up during the Bush tenure and then some of the other tenures during Carroll, that's also not helping things either because anything they do that's questionable is going to immediately get the NCAA's attention. Granted, the NCAA is not as strong as they were at that point, thanks to a few other incidents that we won't go into depth about since we got limited time. But nonetheless, that effect, I think, is affecting them, and they've kind of played a little close to the vest. And, well, sometimes you can't do that against some of these other power teams. I mean, look at USC, another team that Pac-12. that's also uh, been fading, Oregon. I mean granted they're in the top 25 right. but that's another team that could be also slipping uh this year.
1: Uh they've really uh there's a lot of talks around Oregon's quarterback this year. He's probably he might be the top NFL uh, uh draft pick at quarterback this year is it justin uh I can't think of his last name or his first name's justin. But anyway, it doesn't
2: matter yeah. in my book Oregon just gives up way too many points. That's yep. going to be their thing unless they have they could score, you know, 40, 45 points a game, they're going
1: to have problems being a lot of opponents on their schedule. So we talk about, Tom, the uh, the hot seat. You know, all these coaches on the hot seat. They're going to be on the hot seat. They're not going to be on the hot seat, especially Jim Harbaugh right now. It, Clay Helton, I guess. That's one flying under the, underneath the radar. Nobody's talking about him. So uh, he potentially could be another coach on the hot seat. Who? Tom, Are
0: you, I didn't hear what you said. I am so sorry.
1: Oh, all right. Hey, pay attention, man. We're on the air here, so.
0: Uh, well, no, I didn't hear what you said. You cut out, so. Oh, gotcha. Hot but, uh, coach I am talking Clay about. Clay
1: does he deserve to be
2: there? Yes or no?
0: Clay Heldon. Clay, Clay
2: Heldon at USC.
0: I don't know. It's still too early, and I don't watch enough of the West to really make an intelligent decision on that. So I'm going to say no, just to go against the grain. <laughs> All right,
1: so we had some coaching debuts uh, this past week, and the coaching debuts that went wrong. And, Matt, we'll start with you and Chip Kelly uh, losing to Cincinnati. And that's got to be really embarrassing for Chip Kelly. And, and uh, for the fans of UCLA, really great for Cincinnati. Uh, but what are your thoughts on a the return of Chip Kelly so far. I mean, it's one week, one loss. I mean, they got time to grow. They're really young. We just talked about a minute ago. But do you think Chip Kelly is going to be able to get it done the next few years at UCLA?
2: Depends on recruiting. I mean, you still have to deal with USC as far as getting the top recruits from that area. And if you can't outdo USC, you're not going to sit well. And you're going to have a lot. And the slim pickings are going to really be hurting them, if they can not beat USC for some of these top recruits, now granted USC, as we mentioned, is in a down position, but if they can't outduel USC for these top recruits, they're gonna have the same problems that UCLA did when Pete Carroll was the coach at USC, being able to get top talent.
1: Yeah, and and Tom, really, uh, it, it's like well documented that Chip Kelly hates recruiting, and if he can't like recruit at, at US, yeah, UCLA and recruit against USC, then uh, he's in a lot of trouble. Do you think he's going to last three or four years at UCLA?
0: Uh, well, it won't be because of recruiting. I would think, again, the, uh, the I feel like a broken record here. The only school in Southern California that matters is USC. USC is the only school in Southern California, so it doesn't matter who's the coach of UCLA. UCLA is still going to be UCLA Football. Now, if it was basketball, we'd be having a different conversation. But UCLA football will never be able to re- recruit properly against U- USC. It's just not going to happen. Just not. Remind happen. me,
2: Howland's the coach at UCLA for basketball, right?
0: Alfred's the coach at. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, Steve Alfred.
2: I keep getting those mixed yeah. up. I thought it was well, someone else. I'm
1: thinking of. Never mind. <laughs> So, Matt, we saw Willie Taggart debut at Florida State uh, one year at Oregon last year. He had some good seasons there at uh, at South Florida. But do you think Florida State is just like a maybe a, a notch higher of a program than uh, where Willie Taggart needs to be at this point?
2: Well, he really did himself a disservice making that claim that he claimed Virginia Tech players were faking injuries to break up their offense. I mean, that is something you do not say. And I don't care where you are the coach, you do not say that after your first game. Whether you win or lose, that is something, if you have an issue, you put that with the ACC. You don't say something like that to the media. So, to me, Willie Taggart lost a lot of respect in my book by doing that. You don't call anyone out like that. That is an issue with the league and the league officials. That is not an issue you splush to the media.
1: And some coaching changes that uh, kind of went the right way here. Actually, Matt, I do agree with you. That was uh, its pretty sad to hear a head coach talk like that, you know, and uh, the opposing team under the bus. And, yeah, it's just really not professional-like, really. And I, I agree with you all, all the ways. So, uh, you know, and, Tom, we're going to get into some of these coaching changes that went right, these coaching hate uh, debuts, So Dan Mullen takes over at Florida, and they get a big win. And Florida actually sneaks into the top 25. And I don't remember, Tom, at all last year. Matt, maybe you do, but we'll go with Tom first. If Florida is even ranked at all last year, maybe when they started the season and lost to Michigan. But uh, Dan Mullen looked pretty good at Florida. So what are your thoughts on Dan Mullen in Florida?
0: A very good hire, very good hire. Probably one of the best hires uh, uh, down there in the Swamp and Gainesville that they've had. In recent memory, in recent years. Uh, I, I feel very encouraged to see what, what happens with them. They weren't ranked at all that I can remember last year. Uh, I still don't think they're ranked right now, but I do think that it'll definitely change. So, yeah, very, very, very positive. Hire. Uh, yeah. If you're a Gator fan, you should be very encouraged by that.
1: Yeah, they got into the top 25. They were actually ranked 25th this week after their win last week. and You know, it's disappointing uh last year because uh, you know Malik Zaire went down to Florida transferred from Notre Dame and I thought he was going to play very well and, and I didn't think Florida would be a, a playoff contender in any in any, by any means but I thought they would be like a ranked team and, and a tough team to go against. But uh Matt Dan Mullen at Florida just makes a makes a ton of sense and he will actually a hack a Florida competing for the SEC titles here in the next couple of years. What do you think?
2: Hold the phone on Florida. You're putting them in the top twenty-five for beating Charleston Southern.
0: Uh, Tom, play <laughs> well. the
2: breaking news for me.
0: Stand by, stand by.
1: <laughs> hey, I didn't put them there.
2: Well, maybe I didn't get it right with Florida Atlantic, Oklahoma, but I'm going to try again here. I'd say, watch out here. For Kentucky, I think Kentucky could give Florida a big scare, if not knock off the Gators coming up on Saturday. Even though that I game is at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium.
1: I agree with you, and I said on I said on the balance a couple weeks ago. I think Kentucky is like an eight or nine win team. I mean, what do you think about that?
2: I think they're going to make a bowl game, but I think the competition is just too tough in the SEC for them to break through this year. I mean, if they're in the same boat. Say Vanderbilt. But they are capable of one of these big boom kind of opportunities, and this is the opportunity for them here against Florida. And like I said, if this had been a game against a power conference team, even a MAC or a Sunbelt team, yeah, I would understand it. But you're talking about putting them in the top 25 for being an FCS opponent. Now, granted, I'm not attacking FCS opponents here, but Charleston Southern is not at the level – of, say, like a North Dakota State that's beaten Iowa a couple times or a James Madison that gave, I don't know who it was this past week, but also gave another team a run, this is not the team at that level. So I wouldn't be saying Florida is there just yet. And I think that Kentucky game, now if they blow away Kentucky, yeah, I think you could say they have a good look at saying they could maybe upset the Gallup card and give Georgia a run when they get to the cocktail game. Right now, it's still too early to call. If you're just saying Florida's got a chance uh, based on a one win over an FCS team,
1: and hey, Tom, you're an NFL guy. Herm Edwards' debut, at Arizona State against their FCS team, UTSA, but hey, they look pretty good. So they they got a game coming up. Uh, Matt, helped me out with who they're coming up with uh, this week, but uh, they uh, they look pretty good. What are your thoughts on Herm Edwards' debut? You asking me? I hope yeah. I hope he figured
0: out I hope he I hope he figured out who their mascot is. I hope he started there, and
1: <laughs> good luck being starting. Yeah. Right, I knew somebody good. I was trying to scroll through. Yeah, Michigan. If he hangs with Michigan State, uh maybe this. I mean, we're going, we're thinking that Herm Edwards isn't going to work at Arizona State, but if you know, we just saw Michigan State struggle with uh, Utah State, so. I'm saying Arizona's the biggest. Two decades
2: docs. ago, everyone was going cuckoo crazy when Bill Wallace was hired at Stanford. And guess what he does in year one? He goes to South Bend and upsets Notre Dame.
1: So yeah, that's right.
2: Maybe. We might see a surpriser. We'll
1: see. <laughs> so let's talk about the uh, uh, some of the biggest movers in the uh, top 25. And obviously, we'll start with the LSU because they were ranked 25th and now they're ranked 11th. And Matt, I mean, what do you think about a 14 uh position jump, you know, up for LSU just after one game against Miami.
2: That was too high. I mean, granted, it was a neutral site game. Technically, you could call that a home game all the way there. So I don't think they're justified. And even then, two weeks from now, they have to go to Auburn and try to beat the Tigers. And then, of course, they have the next to last week of the season, they have to beat Alabama. So you look at the scenarios right there, they still have two big games. They're going to have to find a way to win both of them to have a chance to get in the SEC championship game. And I just don't think they can beat both Auburn and Alabama in the same year.
1: Yeah. And, and I agree with you. And Tom, if the uh, LSU could jump up 14 spots, then why couldn't Virginia tech break into the top 10 uh, after just being ranked 20th last week? I mean, they beat Florida state on the road, you know, at Florida state. So, uh, we talk about Washington being a one-loss team, still in the top ten. I actually feel like Virginia Tech right now should be in the top ten. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, absolutely, after beating Florida State, absolutely they should be in the top ten. Uh, there should not be 0-1 team in the top ten when there's so many 1-0 and o teams. Absolutely not. Washington should be 18 or 19 until they prove their until they prove their worth, which we know that teams can jump around uh, relatively quickly in in the rankings. And it's, I think it's a little too early to even be worried about the rankings. So uh, for for the rankings to to come out in week one and have Washington 0 and 1 uh, ranked in the in the top 10 and Virginia Tech after beating Florida State, not yeah, it's, it's nonsense. I call edge.
2: And I should mention it, though, Michigan State, did they look too far ahead of the schedule? Is there a red flag with their poor performance last week against Utah State at uh, Spartan Stadium?
1: Maybe it's just week one. You know what what I mean? It's just that week one game. You don't know what you have just yet. Uh, Guys come out flat, play flat because it's week one. Uh, They see a different jersey. I know you're fired up to hit a different jersey, but... Uh, I'll just chalk it up with Penn State and, and uh, Michigan State both that it's week one. But I do think Arizona State, uh, Matt, will, will give uh, Michigan State a game.
2: And then before we go off the air here, as far as sleepers, who do you think is the sleeper that no one's talking about that could be involved? I think one team that could be, if they keep on the roller going, if they can prove their defense, I think Hawaii could be a surprise here down the road but only if they improve their defense they cannot keep giving up 30 points plus per game or eventually it's going to catch up to them like it did in the sugar bowl several years ago when they got there if they can improve their defense just a little bit with their offense as much firepower as they have they could really uh, make some noise uh possibly sneaking into one of these major bowl games if they continue on the run they're doing
1: Right. I'm really impressed by Hawaii, and you was talking sleepers, and you went, like, way, you know, way down the list with Hawaii. I, I like that. That was really good. I was thinking more like West Virginia. I know yeah, some hype because of Will Greer, and he's a and hopeful, but uh, West Virginia just on the outside of the top ten, Tom. And what do you think about West Virginia? Or maybe just uh, throw us uh, one of your sleeper teams.
0: Uh, after seeing Virginia Tech and Florida State, I'm going to make them one of my sleeper teams. But, yeah, for, uh, uh, West Virginia would definitely be one to, to go in there for the books.
2: And then you take a look at the other two in the top 25, Boise State, UCF, Rick. Are either of those a potential uh, buster this year?
1: I, I do like Boise State the way they look this year. I just don't like what they do on defense, and I don't like their schedule really. Uh, they just don't play uh, you know really at tough scales you, you look for whenever – uh, you, of course, a team like Boise State has no shot at the top four, but maybe making the top ten, you know, like those great runs they had, you know, they beat Oklahoma in the bowl game, you know, several years ago. Maybe they're that type of team again this year, but uh, I just don't see it. They're like Oklahoma in the way, they just don't play much defense. They score a lot of points, but they give up a lot of points, and that's what I see with uh, Boise State.
2: And then UCF, uh, I think the two things that hurt UCF's case, I think they're going to have a problem beating Pitt and Navy, that triple option for Navy is always a scare, and I think Pitt is being grossly underrated as far as how good they could potentially be uh, in the ACC.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. And outside of Clemson, uh, the the ACC is wide open, the way I see it, anyway. Uh, wait,
2: did I say overrated? I meant underrated for Pitt. Sorry. Underrated,
1: yeah. <laughs> I think the ACC, uh, outside of Clemson, because I just think that's hands down. That's the way Alabama's going to be in the uh, the SEC. Uh, Clemson's that same way. Uh, really, I don't like how this year's shaping out so far. It's 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 way early, but it seems like it's Clemson, Alabama, and then the rest of the countries will be fight for those last two playoff spots. And for me, that doesn't sit right. So I, I don't know what your thoughts are uh, are on that, Matt.
2: I don't know about you, Tom, but I think those two teams are almost set in stone. Now, granted, the Earth can fall out of orbit potentially, but other than the Iron Bowl against Auburn, I just don't see anyone giving Alabama a run.
0: Well, guys, it has to be the last word because we are completely out of time and we are off the clock. Uh, but then I have a hard stop; I got to get to a fantasy football thing. So uh, we just got to wrap it up and put a bow on it. So I hate to be the the, the uh, pooper in the in the group here.
1: Oh well. Hey, right on. Uh, Tom, thank you for coming on. Uh, you're the host of The Balance. Work we find uh, The Balance on social media? Work we find you on social media?
0: At T Balance this weekend, we'll be out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I uh, got an interview set up with Casey King, going to be talking with him. So, it's uh, a good, stuff. exciting weekend. Good stuff.
1: <laughs> Matt, thank you for coming on. 96.1 WSBT. Uh, where can we find uh, all you, as Tom would say, on The Balance? Your works and masterpieces.
2: M-A-T-T-E-M-B-R-Y, and, of course, for those of you coming to the South Bend area for any game this season, whether it be the Ball State game or down the road, 96-1 has all the coverage. Brian Kelly show encore on Saturday, game day with Evan Sharpley at the Ivy Court Inn and Suites, game day sports and then the game itself and then the post-game show. So a lot to look forward to every day. And, of course, uh, coming up Thursday with the Brian Kelly show and high school football on Friday – And then, of course, the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. So we are totally loaded. If you're looking for football, we are the place for you.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Give them a listen. Uh, Matt does a great job with us. I know he does a great job uh, with the SBT. And uh, definitely all their programming, uh, totally loaded. So this has been Breaking Rank. After week one, we come back at you next week uh, with the week two results. And uh, we'll get into the the, uh, discussions then. So I'm Rick Riggin. Thank you for joining Breaking Rank.